this episode, WWD Voices explores how massive changes in the retail workforce are impacting businesses and pushing brands and merchants to not only rethink how to retain workers, but also how to prepare them for long-term success. Welcome to WWD Voices, where we share the latest fashion, apparel, and retail industry insights. Welcome to WWD Voices. Uh, I'm Arthur Zakowitz, Executive Editor of WWD. And today, as part of Retail's Responsible Reset Series with Accenture, we'll be featuring Joseph Tiano, Accenture's Global Consumer Industries Marketing Lead, who's going to be in conversation with Sarah Dunn, Global Human Resources Officer at Tapestry. So there's been a lot of, um, you know, change in the, in the labor market and, and retail uh, in particular has been hit hard. I think they call it, what do they call it, Joe? The Great great Resignation, yeah. And uh, I think it's transforming how companies are thinking about their workforce. Um, So within that context, uh, we're going to start with Sarah. Sarah, can you tell us how has the pandemic changed the retail workforce from your perspective? And what are some of the challenges ahead Um, Look, I mean, the pandemic has been completely unprecedented, clearly, We have all learned and been agile and flexed in ways that, quite honestly, I don't think anybody ever thought we could. Um, So from the very earliest days of making the decision with my executive colleagues that we close our entire network of stores worldwide, that was a very heavy-hearted day, I can tell you. Um, But also being... um, led by our hearts, led by people to continue to support our store staff through months of closure um, and ensuring that we're supporting them in the best way possible. Um, I think that enabled us to really, uh, I hate to use the word rise from the ashes, but it created a feeling of agility and optimism that we could flex Um, our store staff becoming experts in curbside pickup that they'd never done before, our store staff becoming online influencers and building digital customer bases that they could continue those relationships with their local customers, Um, yet never having done that before. They'd just been in our stores serving our customers. So we've seen great innovation and agility. We have supported our teams really strongly. And in some ways, I think that has protected us a little bit from the great resignation. Um, I'm actually really feeling while we have to compete for talent on a day-to-day basis, that we actually have a really loyal, really committed team um, who are there to serve our customers. If they're in stores or in corporate, they are um, learning how to focus our business on digital Um, learning how to create product, even if they're not together. Um, They are just being stretched in so many ways. And I just can't wait to see what life's going to be like as we actually really do emerge from this pandemic and can, life won't be the same. It's going to be different, but it's going to be exciting. I I would add to Sarah's point, the point on agility, right? I think even when the pandemic is over, the last 18 months has just shown us how agile we can be and just being prepared for what's next, right? I think we all wish we had a crystal ball 
to be able to determine kind of what's coming at us. And I think this pandemic forced us to kind of act in that mode going forward. So we're ready and prepared for whatever does come next. What, um, so Joe and, and Sarah, do, do you think, uh, do you expect us to, to emerge stronger? I mean, that's what you're suggesting, right? We're going to be stronger as a result, although this is a very traumatic experience uh, on a global scale. It's been good for certain brands and companies, right? I think we are going to be stronger. We have been stressed in ways that we could not have predicted. And I actually feel very optimistic that it brings to companies and it brings to individuals greater awareness of what it takes to have sustained performance, whether it is a balance, whether it is a focus on wellness, whether it is questioning the way we work. Um, and improving the way we work every day. Um, and I think it's accelerating the need for companies, partly because employees' expectations are so high, to think about a fulfilling, um, sustainable, wellness-focused, purpose-led experience um, that will enable us to attract the talent we need to drive our business. I mean, certainly our business has performed well throughout the really well throughout the pandemic. And we were so pleased to have been able to reward teams for all the hard work that they did have done, continue to do during this time. Yeah, I think that there is an element. I agree. I think we're going to come out stronger. I also think that there is an element of resilience today in the workforce. Having gone through the last 18 months and survived it, I think it's given people, you know, a bit more confidence, uh, knowing that they can be agile and sort of respond to the needs of the business in a way that they wouldn't have had before. So we have a couple of keywords here, agility, uh, strength, confidence, right? Well, we're going to put those in a parking area and, and come back to that. Uh, Joe, from, uh, I guess, the perspective of marketing and human resources, how, how do they align? How does, how does that align in this environment that's evolving pretty rapidly? Well, the, the interesting thing about the functions of marketing and HR, if you think about it at the core, both functions are about people and relationships. And so there are really several, several areas where I think marketing and HR really need to be lockstep. So I would say there's, there's three. The first goes to what Sarah was talking about in terms of people wanting to work for a company that has a strong purpose. And I think over the last, you know, 18 or 18 or so months, um, that has really come to the forefront is that people want to go where they're celebrated, not tolerated. And the marketing department really owns that brand purpose. And it's our job working with HR to be able to convey that talent brand story uh, to our people um, as well as to recruit. So I'd say that's the first one is really all around brand purpose. The second one is around recruitment marketing, um, because the way that we recruit and where we recruit from is also evolving, uh, especially around the next generation of talent, right? So looking at things like the diversity of universities uh, of where we recruit from, even to the small things like, you know, the swag that we give to students. I mean, graduating from university today uh, is much different than, than we graduated years ago. Um, you know, students today are much more focused on what is your brand purpose? What is your inclusion and diversity program look like? What are the skills I'm going to acquire? I mean, I'm amazed at the number of resumes I see around sustainable business. So I think this is a generation that is much more socially conscious and aware. Um, and then I think the third area 
that marketing and HR really needs to team on is a communication strategy. So how do you communicate uh, with empathy to motivate, inspire, and educate the workforce uh, without overwhelming them? So I'd say those are kind of the three key areas that I think uh, we need to focus on and partner on. Okay, so so uh, a logo pen is not going to work today. No, I mean, it's so funny. So I'll give you a real quick story. I was at a recruitment event a couple of years ago, and we were giving out pens and tote bags. And so I was just, I mean, the tote bags were not moving. I mean, the students did not want tote bags until uh, one of the students came along and started to take like three or four. And I said, wow, these haven't moved all day. Like you, you want three or four tote bags? And she said, no, I'm just going to use them as grocery bags. So it just goes to that mindset of, you know, we're thinking book bags and pens. They're thinking sustainable straws, you know, and, and grocery bags. I, I could not agree more. I think, you know, one of the things, um, I, in fact, I'm amazed that we were able to do it. It was so thrilling we were able to do it. We actually launched our new purpose during the pandemic. Um, we'd been excavating, exploring, fortunately, before the pandemic started. Um, but we made the decision under our new CEO, Joanne Cravoisterat, to go forward with launching our purpose to the whole company last November. Um, so after a lot of research, we aligned on our purpose and values, and we were scratching our heads as to how can we launch this purpose, stretch what's possible in a meaningful way when we are all separated. And the team that was working on this came up with the most perfect launch. We actually had a cellist, OK, OK Cello, come and perform on Zoom to the whole company he talked about the tensions in stretching what's possible. He talked about the right tensions creating music and the wrong tensions creating a horrible sound. Um, and it brought it alive and emotionally connected us in ways that I would not have thought possible. Um, so that was absolutely key, I think, to actually a lot of the resilience and the emotional connection that the teams have. Um, I'm hoping we might get him back for an encore performance as part of our holiday celebrations this year. And, you know, from there, to your point, Joe, we went forward and looked at um, our employee proposition, our employment branding, um, how we really tell our story from both a equity and inclusion point of view, but also from a sustainability point of view, and make bold commitments about what we are doing for society when we're stretching what's possible. We're not just stretching ourselves and our company. We're stretching what we give back to society. And um, all of that, I think, is beginning to resonate. It is certainly what matters to people we are trying to attract into the company. And it is energizing, um, energizing our teams. Um, I'm totally in awe of the fact that last year, while we were all remote, Tapestry teams gave back more volunteer hours than we've ever done before. I, I just would not have predicted that anybody would have had the energy or the spare capacity to volunteer during the pandemic. And yet we found really innovative ways to do it. And I think it's these connections and this whole life um, that is so important to the employer promise of tomorrow. Um, and we're just, you know, we're just beginning. Um, we, we've created our promise that difference 
sparks brilliance. So we welcome people from everywhere to stretch what's possible. And I think that speaks to our inclusion, to our ambition, um, and I hope to the agility and the flex that comes when you're stretching. I, uh, so I'm going to add that to the uh, keyword list, cello. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's a, great, a good point. Uh, you, you know, it's sort of a self-assessment that you're talking about as well, you know, during difficult times. Absolutely. Uh, Joe, is this, are you seeing that uh, um, kind of the, the, the same way, like from, from a broader perspective, is this, is, you know, what Tapestry is doing? And they have, you have 6, 16,000 employees. So um, is this the approach, Joe? Yeah, I think that having a loop of listening now is really important. So it's sort of this closed loop where, you know, in the past, I mean, I talked a little bit about uh, internal communications, for example. We've now shifted that to people engagement. So if you think about, you know, internal communications, it was a one-way dialogue. That is now morphed to what we're calling people engagement, which is more of a two-way street, so to speak. So how do you motivate, inspire, uh, engage with your workforce while at the same time listening to their needs? So I see a lot of companies, Accenture included. I mean, we do lots of active listening sessions. We do lots of uh, employee surveys to understand uh, what's sort of in the hearts and the minds of our people. Um, and so I guess a, a great example is is this people engagement strategy that we have. So if you take myself, for example, I sit within the marketing function. We all know working virtually, we are bombarded by emails uh, because we no longer are sort of in the office and just having those natural connections. And so I'm receiving emails from marketing leadership because I'm a part of that organization. I'm receiving emails from leadership of New York Metro because that's where I live. I receive communications from our Pride Employee Resource Group because I'm a part of that. Um, I'm a part of our retail and consumer practice. I get communications around that. So that is for all of our employees, right? They're just getting bombarded with all of these different um, elements of email from different parts of the organization. And so what we've done is really look at how do we kind of personalize a communication strategy to our employee. So what we now do is we have sort of one communication that gives the employee sort of the bite-sized nuggets of what they need to know from the different parts of the organization that they're aligned to. So you're not getting 10 emails anymore. You're getting one email personalized to you in terms of what you need to know from different parts of the, the firm. So I think, you know, that's a good example of where we're actually actively listening to the employee and then taking steps to address the pain points. I love, I love that. Um, we so sim similarly, I think everybody is completely overloaded, and I know Accenture is doing a lot of work on changing the way you work. You're further ahead of us in um, implementing Microsoft Teams, but that's going to, I think, revolutionize so much about where we work. We're also changing the focus that we have to be much more people centered. We're just in, in, um, appointing our first vice president of employee experience. Um, and I, I've got such high hopes for what that role will do for us in that listening, communicating loop. Um, I think list, we, we're listening on a much more frequent basis. We used to do an employee survey once a year. We're now doing it at least once a quarter and you know, gauging rapidly what's the one thing we should be doing. How can we focus in on that? What difference can we make in the next quarter? And I think that has changed the just change the rhythm of how we adapt and how we are learning from our team members. Um, 
uh, and we are learning. You know, we just one of our ERGs in working parents, probably you know one of the most stressed groups of people in in the world during the pandemic, um, has really helped us shape our new emergency childcare benefits um, because of their experience during the pandemic. Sarah, how is tapestry planning for work uh, in the future, uh, the workforce of the future, uh, given what's happening now and how it's evolving? Look, I think just understanding what um, what what is being asked of us by employees, um, the kinds of roles, the kind of work they want to do. I think if nothing else, um, this last 18 months is going is bringing much more flexibility into how we work. We have demonstrated that we can be incredibly productive, work remotely, work on different time zones in ways that we had never done before. Um, So we've been busy over the last few months, really looking at the roles in our corporate environment in terms of which of them actually need to be in the office, mostly, which can be hybrid, which hardly ever need to be in the office, creating work personas, if you like. Um, and you know, sadly, we're not yet back in our New York headquarters. We're already back in Shanghai and London, um, so experimenting. But we're expecting, hoping, fingers crossed, to be back in the January timeframe, and we'll be working in a much more agile, flexible way. The investments we're making in technology allow teams to be connected asynchronously. They don't all have to be in a meeting at the same time. Um, And I think that will change the nature of the way in which we work to a very great degree. And then I think the other aspect of it is the people-centered piece. It is about recognizing the whole person. How do they connect to our purpose? How do they connect to our values? How do we fit into the rest of their lives? And is their whole work and... um, personal environment enabling them to do their best work can they devote enough time to themselves um have they got the latitude to be creative um so many questions that i think will change the nature of work as we go forward i think the other thing is we need to work on creating a consumer grade experience within employment um, you know, we're all used to our iPhones and doing everything we need to do um, absolutely seamlessly in our in our personal lives. And yet there's too much clunkiness in corporate roles, in cl- corporate systems. Um, and I think for a long time we might have put up with that. And I think we now really need to focus on that work experience and improve the integration that we see in um, workflow tools and in the the act of being employed. Yeah, I think you had mentioned that um, when we were preparing for this podcast, we were talking about uh, some of this. You described it as kind of smoothing out the employee experience. So, how does that fit into the larger value proposition of from employees? I think it fits into enabling employees wanting to have everybody doing their best work focused on the role that they are there to do, um, whether it's a creative or a merchant or product development, sales, whatever it is, I want to reduce the noise level in, oh my goodness, I've got to step out of my day-to-day in order to do this corporate 
finance, procurement, HR process, all of which probably takes a different app with a slightly different user interface and maybe comes from a different supplier. That just creates friction in my workday. And we want to create a more frictionless working environment, breaking through barriers um, that will enable people to be even more productive and allow them time to do and be their personal life with their personal priorities, um, as well as producing great work for us. Now, look, we're a long way from that. I, if there are tapestry team members <laughs> listening to this, that's going to take a while. But that's that's what we we would like to do. So I was uh, to add on to that. I was reading this book. I don't know if either of you are familiar with Daniel Pink and his book called Drive. Um, but I just I love the three elements of productivity. So basically, you know, Daniel wrote this book on a study about what increases uh, employee productivity, because I think everyone always feels that it's going to be money, right? It's always going to be a financial incentive. And what they found in this study is that only works for sort of mundane tasks, right? So if you turn out X amount of widgets, we'll give you two weeks extra pay. Productivity will increase. But when you look at the more strategic uh, types of roles, the more cognitive-based roles, it's really not about money, but it's about three areas. Uh, the first one is around autonomy, which I think we've seen over the last two years. Do I have autonomy over my work? Do I control uh, you know, my workload and what I'm doing? Mastery. And I think we're seeing this a lot in retail right now. So am I being challenged with my skill set? Am I acquiring the right skills? We're seeing a lot of upskilling of the workforce uh, in retail right now. And I think upskilling is different than training, right? Training is giving me the right tools for my current job. Upskilling is giving me the right knowledge and capabilities for a future role that I may not be able to do today. And then that third area goes back to what we've been talking about all along is purpose. So why am I doing what I'm doing? How am I contributing to a broader purpose of the company, to the employee, and to myself? And I think those three things will remain true. I, uh, the one thing both well, both of you said this and you use, I think several times use the words, uh, active listening and empathy. Uh, Joe, let's stick with you for a second. What role does empathy and active listening play in creating a successful and productive and energetic workforce? Well, I think, you know, we've all over the last two years gone through so much empathy is, is huge. And so I'm a lover of quotes and I don't know where this quote came from, but I heard it a couple of days ago. And it basically said that pre-industrial revolution, it was the leaders that had strength that set them apart. Post-industrial revolution, it was those leaders that had intellect that set them apart. And now post-pandemic, it's going to be the leaders with heart that sets them apart. And so I just thought that kind of sums up um, everyone has gone through both personal and professional strife in one shape or form um, over the last two years. And so it, it does go back to that active listening to really understand. I mean, sometimes when we're thinking of people as machines, but, you know, we all have personal lives and things we're going through. And so really actively listening to what people are going through. And I think sometimes we all default to waiting to speak uh, versus active listening. Um, you know, our, our people, people are burnt out. I mean, I was reading a study the other day, 40% of employees are burnt out. 44% are looking at quitting. So I think if we don't, as leaders, um, actively listen to the needs of our people, we're going to lose out on some great talent. Totally, totally agree. I think, you know, whether it's, you know, sensing or just real listening, 
We actually put all of our VP Plus leaders through a program this year called Better Conversations Every Day. And it was all about learning to listen. And at a very personal level, I can tell you my emotional response during one of the exercises when um, we were being taught to listen for values, listen for meaning second, and listen to respond third. Normally, it happens in the reverse order. Um, but listen for values really created such a deep emotional response in the little exercise we did. And that's resonating across our organization. So equipping leaders to be able to listen, to ask great questions, and to really take the conversation forward is, I think, a key part of the culture change that we're involved in. And I think it's going to be so important for engagement and growth in the future. The one other point I'd, I'd add to that is um, listening, but also vulnerability. So we actually also do a vulnerability training, believe it or not. And so it's, yes, it's asking the right questions. It's listening. But I think, you know, leaders of teams, if you have the courage to be vulnerable with your people, it just creates that safe environment where people feel the ability to open up and be themselves. I, I, I love that. I love the idea of creating a safe environment because um, it also gives room for being creative and taking chances and taking a risk and do, doing things out of your own comfort zone because you feel safe. You're not going to get criticized. So uh, amazing. Good stuff. Uh, before we wrap it up, I just got a couple more questions. Sarah, this is, um, this is sort of our fun question that we like to ask uh, participants and uh, guests on the show. Now, what life skills are rarely taught but extremely useful? Well, look, I want I want to say listening for meaning and values. I, I honestly do, not sure that there is anything more important for leaders to learn earlier in their career. I wish I'd learned it much earlier in my career. I think I've spent way too long listening to respond. Oh, that person's still talking, but I'm going to respond anyway. I'm not quite sure what they've said. Um, and I think listening and empathy um, are just so important. And, you know, clearly we are all on a journey in terms of um, really building an inclusive culture. And so when you bring that listening together with psychological safety, um, real empathy, then I think you get a culture where everybody can thrive. And that, that was the other key word, I think I'm going to put that on a board is uh, inclusivity, right? You know, you have to, you have to put into practice. It's got to, it has to be real, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And we're learning how to do that more deeply every day. Joe, any thoughts on uh, Sarah's point of view? Yeah. yeah. I mean, my answer, I mean, I love it. Um, I'm a big champion of inclusivity. So, um, but my, my answer is probably less profound than Sarah's. I was going to say cooking. <laughs> so for me, you know, I just feel like I grew up with, uh, you know, two Italian parents. Yes. Cooking was a big part of my growing up. And, you know, during the pandemic, I, I just feel like food brings people together. So I think we all know everyone was making banana bread. Um, but to me... <laughs> I certainly learned how to make banana bread. Yes. But, I, you know, the funny thing is, I really do... The, the whole life skill thing came to me because... I grew up learning to use what we had. 
So, you know, during the pandemic, when things were off shelves, right, it's just kind of going into the pantry. It's like, okay, what can I make from a can of beans and some pasta? <laughs> well, and that is a life skill I'm glad I have. Well, it's, uh... <laughs> I'll be round to taste it, Joe. <laughs> okay. Joe Winston, looking forward to that. And then, Joe, we, you're both invited. <laughs> we have, um, you know, when we're on this topic, you know, this podcast is about retail resetting. So, how do you personally reset? Oh, for me, I look, I love to work out. So I am a big fitness enthusiast. And, um, you know, studies have shown that you are and again, I'm a creative and studies have shown that you're the most creative, uh, not in front of your computer, but it's actually when you're doing something completely unrelated. So I always say I had my best ideas on the treadmill. And, you know, I've always been an indoor treadmill runner. And so the, the pandemic forced me to run outside. So I kind of get these two two different experiences, one fitness by running outside and two being in nature and outdoors. And so that just completely resets and reinvigorates me every day. I, I, I agree. I have a, a rail trail that's right behind my house. I can actually walk here from it. And uh, I go on the trail, I take a notebook or I talk into my phone and make recordings. And it's, it's like the head opens up and the ideas exactly. flow around. Yes. Sorry, no, that, I, yeah. I think very, very similar to me. I certainly walk more outdoors than I was. I'm a big Peloton person, so I've pedaled an awful lot in the last year and a half. Um, and and I think resetting for me is about spending time with family, cooking, and a secret passion around knitting, if that doesn't sound too oh. crazy. <laughs> Uh, Sarah, I expect a I expect a scarf for the holidays, Sarah. <laughs> right, so I'll, I'll, uh, okay, I'll pick you're mine on. up. <laughs> we'll have dinner. We'll have uh, knitted uh, things to wear. Uh, amazing. Well, I, I think we're out of time, but I want to thank both of you uh, for participating today. It was a great conversation. Again, this is a part of the larger series on the retail's responsible reset with Accenture. And until next time, uh, we'll see you again. Thank you. Thank you for attending. Thank you. Thanks, Arthur. Ready, reset, grow. Accenture helps retailers around the globe embrace change to seize the future. Learn about the five imperatives of retail's responsible reset and how leading retailers are partnering with Accenture at Accenture.com forward slash retail.